Hey, praise the Lord, right? Man, it's a good day. You know, one of the great themes of God's creation is a thing called metamorphosis, right? It's a remarkable transformation that occurs in nature, mostly in insects and amphibians, where a creature starts out as one thing, but is transformed into something entirely different, right? I mean, probably the one that's most familiar to us is the whole caterpillar to butterfly deal, right? The caterpillar comes into the world to, with one, one mission. What is it? <laughs> to eat. That's the only thing on the caterpillar's mind, is eat, eat, consume, consume, right? I mean, if you've ever grown tomatoes, you know that, right? Those big, squishy rascals, right? <laughs> One job, and that's to eat. Then at some point in time, it surrenders itself to a process. It completely surrenders itself. It's encapsulated in a chrysalis and emerges as a butterfly, right? And from our perspective, the purpose of the butterfly is almost the polar opposite of the purpose of, of a caterpillar, right? The purpose of a butterfly, I mean, one thing, it just brings great beauty into the world. Am I right? Who here has been to the butterfly house at the Franklin Park Conservatory, right? Man, you didn't believe in God before you went, and you will when you leave, right? That's just magnificent. And then the purpose of a butterfly is not only to bring beauty, but to pollinate all of God's good stuff, make more good stuff, right? What a difference. It's like it's a metaphor for the Christian life. Start as one thing, go through a transformation process, emerge as another thing. How many of you, when you were kids, went to the, went to the creek, or the creek, as Karen would say, and caught tadpoles, right? That was before video games, wasn't it, Dennis? We didn't have anything else that... <laughs> He's kids today. <laughs> You go to the creek and, and catch tadpoles, right? You go to wherever frogs are, because frogs make tadpoles, don't they? They lay eggs, and a few days later, out of those eggs, emerges these little squiggly rascals, right? Swim around for a while, and depending on the species, in some fairly short space of time, are you ready for this? Their little frog thyroid gland kicks in. I knew someday my biology major would come into play for what I did with my life. But their little thyroid gland kicks in and sends a message to their body saying, grow. But it's not just grow, it's change, isn't it? Because not only do they grow legs and lose their tail, but all of their internal organs change so they can change from being a creature that breathes underwater to a creature that breathes air. Hello? That's a huge, huge transformation, isn't it? I think it's also an amazing picture of the Christian life, of what God intends for us. To end up as something completely different from when we started, right? Right? 
Well, today I'd like for us to ask the Bible the same question that we asked it last week, and that is, what are we doing here? And we start in January by asking the Bible, who are we, right? And it's important to know who we are, that we're created in the image of God. And that that image has been shattered by sin, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, the redemption brought by His blood, that God is restoring the image within us, right? That's good news, and that brings... We talked about that enough for now. But as important of knowing who we are is ask the question, Lord, why are we still here then, right? Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians 5.20 that you are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through you. That we're still here even though we're not from here anymore because the Bible says in Philippians 3.20 your citizenship is in heaven so you're not from here anymore. This is what Christ did for you on the cross. And when you came to Christ, a transformation occurred to the point that your, your papers were changed. But you're now, now you're here as an ambassador for the home country. And you are here by the authority of the king of the home country, heaven, who also happens to be the king of the universe. So you're here by his authority to do what? To represent the message of reconciliation between God and man. So that's what we saw last week. Well, today I'd like to continue that question, what are we doing here? And you're here, you're still here, because you need to experience a necessary transformation, a necessary change, a necessary metamorphosis. We're not done yet, are we? We're different than when we started, but we're not done yet. I mean, I don't want to go to heaven like this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Not about me, about you. I don't want to go to... <laughs> You're like, I wouldn't either, dude. <laughs> I, I don't want to go to... I don't, and I, don't, I haven't found any Bible that says whether or not we continue to grow in heaven. I don't know. That would be speculation at best. But I'm just going to err on the side of caution here and say I want to get all the transformation done here that I can. Now, at the rate I'm going, I'd need to live to be about a 1,000. But the transformation is occurring. It's happening. And so what are you still doing here? You are here to be transformed. In your Bible today that Jamie read for us just a few minutes ago, thank you, Jamie, in Romans chapter 12, we're just going to look at the first couple of verses. Therefore, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Didn't I tell you? but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, I invite, I invite your presence of the Holy Spirit to come and, and to speak specifically to every heart, Lord. If these words are useful to you, then use them, Lord. And if they're not, I pray that you'll translate them between my lips and their ears to say what you really want to say. This is your church your service. We surrender the teaching to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we're going to look at this 
passage, if we're going to understand this passage that I just read, where do we have to begin? It starts with a C. Context. Context. Great. Who said that? Raise your hand. You may go. You're done. I, I can help you no more. <laughs> context. We have to look at the context if we're going to understand the words. Now, there's a really important context word at, that starts the passage. What is it? Therefore. It starts with therefore. And whenever we see in the Bible a therefore, we have to stop to see what it's. Well done. You may all go. Well done. We have to stop and see what it's there for. Because a therefore word, I mean, this just makes sense. When somebody says therefore, it means they just said something that they're going to expand on or make a point from, right? And so to understand the point, it's very good to know what they just said. And so when we look at the, the therefore in this context, uh, we go back to Romans chapter 11, and we see a couple of things that impact or inform the way we interpret the Scripture that we're in today. And one is that Paul says in Romans 11 that as Gentile believers, because remember he was the apostle to the Gentiles, and so this book of Romans was not written to the people of Israel, it was written to Gentile believers, that he says as Gentile believers that we are grafted in to the house of Israel. We're grafted in, if you will, to the family of God. We are grafted into the kingdom of God. That we, we are not a part of God's heritage by heritage. We're not a part of God's family because we were born into the family. Uh, but that as Gentile believers, we're, we're ingrafted. We're grafted on to a place in the, the vine of God that was broken off. And he said it was broken off by Israel's disobedience. That because Israel largely, substantially rejected Christ, that there was a branch that was broken off and that we then had the opportunity, he says it was broken off until such times that the number of Gentiles is fulfilled. And so that we're, we're grafted in. Now the point of that is for us to understand that we are in the family of God by invitation. We have no right in the family of God, other than the right that is extended to us, we're adopted in, we're ingrafted in, we weren't born into it, we were born again into it, right? When you're born again, Jesus said you must be born again. Why must we be born again? Because we weren't born into the heritage of God. We were born into sin. And so when we come to Christ, we're born again, and Jesus said, we've seen this before, yet to all who received him, he says just before that, his own did not receive him, in verse 11, John 1, but in 12 he says, yet to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so we're, we're in this thing as ingrafted, right? There's nobody in this room who has a right to be in that of their own accord. And, so, and, and, there, and therefore, there is nobody in this room who has any more right to the throne of God than anybody else. I want to cancel a lie from the enemy right now in some of your heads. You're looking around, some of you are looking around going, they're better than me. They're better than me. In the name of Jesus, I break that foul lie. 
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We are all here by the invitation of God through grace. Right? So when he says we're, we're ingrafted, that's part of the context where he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, isn't that how it goes? Therefore, because we're in only by his mercy, therefore, in view of God's mercy, I urge you, and then he goes on. The other part of the context, or another part of the context that's so important in this, is that he also spends time in, in chapter 11 before he says this, therefore, talking about how God still loves Israel. God still loves Israel. He hasn't abandoned Israel to make a place for us. And, and you say all of Israel? Debatable, but clearly a remnant of Israel, right? That If you read the Bible, God always has a remnant. He always has a remnant. Remember with Elijah and the whole thing? And he said, and Elijah was like, oh, nobody. And he says, I, and God said, I have reserved 7,000 for myself who have not bowed their knee to Baal. There's always a remnant in Israel. There's always a remnant. And so before he says this, therefore, he says this. He says, you Gentiles, you're grafted in. You're kind of lucky to be here at all, right? And he says, and by the way, before you start thumbing your nose at Israel, God still loves Israel too. Therefore, (laughs) in view of God's mercy... That changes what happens next, doesn't it? Therefore, you know, when you read the Scriptures from a place of mercy, the understanding of mercy, you read it from a place of gratitude, don't you? Not arrogance. Just humble gratitude. Thank you so much, God, for making a way for me. And that's what he's asking us to do. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, and then the last part of the context is to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, what he's about to say is that it's going to cost you everything. Following Jesus Christ is going to cost you everything. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus Christ said, I came to give give you life, right? And you have, may have it to the full. What The fine print of that is got to kill you first, right? I'm going to kill you first. I'm going to take your life. And so he says, offer your bodies as though it were a living sacrifice. Now you're ready to hear what is being said with that context and that frame of mind. Do you see how embracing the context affects the way we read the actual words of the Bible? Because some of you are in a little bit different space now, aren't you? You're in a more uh, humble, maybe grateful space going, thank you, God. Now you're ready to read Romans 12. In in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I think the King James may say, for this is your reasonable service, I think. Is that right? Am I right? Yeah. So reasonable service. In view of God's mercy, it's entirely reasonable to say, offer your body as a living sacrifice, right? It's like, let's get this dying thing over with, right? (laughs) Let's, Let's get to it, Lord. It's reasonable. It's your worship to come and say, God, here's my life. 
Take my life. You can have it. He said in verse 2, and here's where the metamorphosis comes in. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's how you're born, right? You're born the tadpole. And he says, don't conform to that any longer, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever been in a space in your life where you just needed to know the Lord's will? Yeah, of course you have. Defining moments, you got to get this right. You don't want to get it wrong. You know, if you get it wrong, he'll always drag you back to the spot, won't he? That's been my experience. It's like when you just get, finally get serious and humble before him and say, Lord, I think I'm off your path altogether. So, well, come on back to this. This is where you went left when I was seeing right, right? Okay. But he said in this transformation process, when we completely surrender ourselves to God, we'll be able to, we'll be able to know his will. But he says this transformation thing, that there's going to be a complete change. Because knowing Christ, if you look at the Bible, when they followed Jesus, Jesus wasn't somebody who was added to their life. But when Jesus came in, they were completely changed, right? It's like Jesus ran their life. He didn't just add. He didn't come as an addition, but he came as a master of their lives and changed everything that they did from then on out. So this metamorphosis, this transformation that the Scripture talks about is not something that can simply be added in your life and you sort of step in and out of. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You've got to go all in. You, if you want to be transformed, you've got to go all in. Now, if you like being a little Christian tadpole... I suppose that's an option. But the will of God is to transform you. you got to go all in. Christianity is not your religion. Jesus Christ is your Savior. There's a big difference. Hello? And you're going to look entirely different. Because the caterpillar doesn't look anything like a butterfly, does it? The tadpole doesn't look anything like a frog. I mean, if, if all you saw, if somebody showed you this is a tadpole and this is a frog, you would never think they're related, right? The same with the caterpillar and butterfly. You would never say, oh, yeah, I could see how that came from that. You would never do that. Because transformation creates an entirely different thing. That's what God's up to in your life. He's not trying to just fix up a few things, prop up the porch rail. He's building a new house. You're not even going to look like you did when you started, right? This is transformation. This is what he's up to. And in this passage, I mean, he's going to transform us in many, many ways, but in this passage, he says a couple things. If you read through Romans 12, he's going to tra- you're going to be transformed from works into grace. I know, right? We're born into works, meaning we're born with this desire to produce and accomplish, right? And conquer and control, right? We're, we're born into this works program where it's like, I got to do this so people think well of me, right? 
It starts with our parents, obviously. Good job. And, and then we kind of just keep doing that. And so when we come to God and we go, hey, I got all these things worked out here. Look at me. You're kind of lucky to have me now. It's subtle, but it's real. So that we measure the quality of our relationship with God by how well we have the works in order, right? I got news for you. The Bible says that no one is saved by our works lest any man should boast. But we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. So you're transformed from works to grace. Paul says in verse 9, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. He said, I'm working from grace now. Was, was Paul a works guy? Did you, have you read the Bible? Have you read Philippians where he said, man, I was the tribe of Benjamin. I was Jew, Jew. He opened my robe and there was a big Jew thing on it here. You know, it's a big star of David. And he was like super Jew. Works, 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 right? But what happened? Jesus Christ happened. And now he says, you know, I know I had all that going. How does he say that in Philippians? But now I count it all as rubbish. It's fun to roll the R when you say it. Rubbish. All those works. It's just a steaming pile of scubalon. Because now I live over here in grace. That's a whole different. Now when you live in grace, you cannot command law on other people. Stop that. Stop that. You're here by grace. Extend grace. Don't command law. Don't judge, Jesus said, unless you want to get back over here, right? Unless, unless you be judged. The other transformation is a transformation from self-centeredness, he says, to love. We're born self-centered, right? How do we come into the world? I am the center of the universe. And everybody knows their part. Oh, the baby's making a noise. And then as we grow, we just get more sophisticated at that, right? We just get better at it. Ah, the whole thing's about me. I want what I want, and I want it now. I shall change churches because I am not being fed. You got 31,173 verses right here in your hand. Eat something already, right? Eat something. Don't go from place to place for your favorite tall, bald guy to tell you what's going on. You might as well be Catholic because you're using a priest. You're using a priest if you do that. This is for you to feast on, kids. How did I get there? We're born with this self-centered thing. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. And you're over here then, when you leave the self-centered world, you get to start speaking your mother tongue, which is love. You know I love you, right? You know that. I shouldn't. You're a mess. But I do. I love you. And you don't get to decide. 
It's not about works. It's about grace. It's not about what's in it for me. It's about what's in it for God. That's how we speak the love language. There are a lot of other aspects of our transformation, but I think if we did these two things, translated from works to grace and from self-centeredness to love, we wouldn't even look like we did, right? People who meet you go, Annette, you, you look the same, but you don't seem the same. They always use a little English accent when they do that. <laughs> you could kill me on accents, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just love listening to you talk. The Bible's filled with examples of people who were transformed, and they didn't look like they looked in the beginning. Think about Peter. I mean, Peter, all of his misadventures in the Gospels, and look at him in the epistles at the end of the Bible. He's a diff- he doesn't even look like the same guy, right? Amazing. I was in my just private time with Jesus early this morning, and I was just in my regular Bible reading. Uh, I was in the Gospel of John where Jesus is arrested. And I'm always struck with that, how when they come to get him, Peter pulls out his sword and he cuts off the ear of a soldier, right? He cuts off his ear. I mean, he's so impulsive and, ah, you're not going to get my Jesus. And, And he cuts off his ear. And I'm always struck by that. And I was thinking this, this morning, and I was kind of praying, Lord, why did Peter cut off his ear? Why did he cut off his ear? And I can't say I heard this back from the Lord, but this thought occurred to me. Peter cut off his ear because he missed his head. He wasn't going for the man's ear, was he? He missed. Peter couldn't even sin right. That guy in First Peter, oh man, what a shepherd's heart this guy has. What a change. He doesn't even look like the same person. What about Saul of Tarsus? Where do we first meet Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul? Where do we... We've, yeah, we meet him. He's supervising the execution of Stephen because Stephen was a Christian. What happened in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus? Jesus. And so was Paul this same guy with the additive of Jesus? No. He became such a completely different guy I mean, he's now called by the Lord Paul, and he's apostle to the Gentiles, and oh, how he hated the Gentiles. And now he loves them. He speaks the language of love to them. He doesn't even look like the same person. That's what transformation is. I believe this is God's intention for us. I really think that Christians should look markedly different from those who aren't Christians. We should be completely accessible, of course, not judgmental. But we should look different because of the transformation. And yet addiction rates among Christians are about the same as the world. Divorce rates are about the same. We can make a list of why aren't we so different? What's going on, right? Are we not cooperating with the transformative process of the Holy Spirit in us? 
sanctifying power of God. How's that going? How's the transformation going? Just think about yourself for a minute. What stage are you in, you know? Getting your legs, starting to lose your tail. Or, you know, what's, what's going on? What? You know, the thing about this is, is that with the tadpole, he doesn't have a choice. He gets to a certain point, and because of God's design, he starts to change. He doesn't have a choice. The big difference with us is we do whether we're going to participate in the transformative process or not, whether we're going to cooperate with it or whether we're going to resist it. We have a choice. This passage actually tells you exactly what you need to do in order to cooperate with the transformative process of Jesus. Two things. Say, what are they, Tom? Can you use an English accent? Thanks. First, it says if you want to get in on the transformation, you have to... Offer your body as a living sacrifice. That's how, that's all context. None of it even makes sense if you're not all in with Jesus. You know, you can't be partly in. Your church can't be like, it's, it's not even church. It's your walk with Jesus can't be like a thing that's part. I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you, this so, came so, was so weird when I got it from the Lord this week, but I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus Christ is not an app. Jesus Christ is not an app. You know, you don't just sort of add him to a place in your life where you kind of press him where you need something and then turn him off when you're done. Jesus Christ is not an app. Apps are cool, aren't they? Come on, we got this little computer in our hands, right? And through the mystery of the air, I can say, I want something on here that'll always tell me the weather. And we download an app so that Gary, we're going to know exactly what the weather is going to be like tomorrow morning when we go fishing. When we go to bed tonight, we're going to know what time it is before we go fishing tomorrow morning, Gary. And, and that's cool, isn't it? Yeah, that's an app. But if I don't want that app anymore, what do I do? Hold it down and I drag it up to the uninstall, right? Bye. Jesus Christ is not an app. Jesus Christ wants to come and give you a whole new operating system. Apps are uh, some other layer conditioned by the operating system, right? Jesus Christ is not even offering to come here to make your life better. Jesus Christ calls us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. He wants to change the operating system. That's how we go into the transformation process. We go all in. And the second thing is, is it says we need to renew our mind. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This mind that you have, this incredible capacity to think and reason, is something that needs to be renewed by the renewing of your mind. It's a constant thing. Constantly renewing your mind. The world wants your mind, doesn't it, Dennis? The world wants your mind. It wants you to think. It wants you to have values that the world says. And you don't. You resist that. You reject that. And daily you come to the Lord for renewal of your mind. Sometime between 5 and 5.30, every single day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, I'm sitting all by myself with my Bible open, 
and my coffee. I'm not addicted to coffee. I just can't live without it. I can quit any time. But I'm sitting there at that early hour. Got my Bible open. Maybe a little Sarah Young devotional. Something that really brings me to a place where I release my mind to God and say, speak, Lord, renew my mind. Why did you catch tadpoles when you were a kid? Why did you do that? Huh? It was fun. It could be all kinds of issues. Control. I am your master. I am your God. You will live under my jurisdiction. I don't know. I wonder if some of you caught tadpoles because you knew there was a frog in there. Right? You knew. But there's a frog in there. Right? Man, when I was a kid... Eight, nine, ten years old, I couldn't wait. I, I couldn't wait to catch tadpoles. I love catching tadpoles. And me and my buddies, we would go down to a place and we would catch these tadpoles. And there was a place, it was surrounded by chain link fence, and it had gates on it with a with a chain around the gates and 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 a lock. And right next to the no trespassing under penalty of law sign, we found that we could if one of us would pull really hard, we were, we were so skinny, we could get in. <laughs> Pat knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and we could get in. And when we went in, we could catch all the tadpoles we want. What, it was the Los, called the Los Angeles River. It was the huge drainage system of Los Angeles. Yeah. And there was a good reason that you shouldn't go down in there because people died down there, Right. Because when the water started coming, there was no warning. That's why they had them. And so we loved it down there. <laughs> we'd catch tadpoles. And we could bring them home. Creep out your mom a little. She finds them in your room. Or in your pocket. <laughs> but I love to catch Tadpoles. And I was thinking about that this week, and you know, I think I've spent my whole life catching tadpoles. I think if I had to describe my ministry, I would say I catch tadpoles, and I try to make a space for them to encounter God so that they can go through the transformative process that He has for them. That's what I do. Now, I. I can't make anybody change or you'd be done. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I'm committed to always providing a place, a safe place, a healthy place, so that you can have the transformation. Because as tadpole, you can become a frog and then you can croak and go to heaven. On your feet, church. On your feet. Come on. We need to... That's riveting. Nice. That's riveting. Oh, nice. Very good. 
Let's enter into the transformative process. Let's surrender ourselves to God, all right? Let's just say, well, I surrender. I give up. I offer my body as a living sacrifice. Let's have some prayer ministry people come on up here and be ready to pray for people who may like to have prayer. Maybe you'd like to become a Christian today. Give your life to Jesus. Come on up to these guys. They'll help you. Maybe you need some kind of prayer in your life, healing. Maybe something has to happen that you just want somebody to pray for you for. Come on up, and these, these people will be happy to happy to pray with you, okay?